0: Welcome to the show everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is John Scott and Tim Worsberger dropping the gloves. Hope you're all having a good day getting ready for the big New Year's Eve celebration. Tim kicking off 2022 in a new city, new apartment. You're balling with all this dropping the gloves money you're getting. You're in the penthouse in North Carolina. You just got in. What do you like your new place? What's going on? They obviously have Wi-Fi. That's exciting.
1: Uh so a bunch of things wrong with that statement. First of all, I'm in uh first floor, so not penthouse. I'm on ground level. Second of all, I'm not even on Wi-Fi. I'm on my phone's hotspot. Like I literally got here not in, not even an hour ago. I had to do, like, this whole sign-in process. It's one of those, like, big complexes with, like, a gym and a pool. But they have, like, all these rules for, like, parking and trash pickup and visitors and all this stuff. It's a little intimidating. There's an app I have to download to get everywhere. There's not, like, a, a brass key, you know. So um, it's all new. My head's kind of spinning. But I haven't even unpacked or my car is still stuffed with stuff. I've literally brought my backpack in, set up my, my Wi-Fi hotspot in my phone, and set up a Zoom link, and here we are, you know. Content That's doesn't sleep. Smart
0: priorities the the listeners want to know your opinion and i'm glad you put them ahead of everything else because it's very important to get this episode down it's new year's eve you got to go out you're not even going to unpack you're just going to go hit the strip and just start downing fireballs and happy new year's and just meeting friends
1: i don't have any friends john i'll probably i'll probably stay in tonight honestly
0: no you're gonna go for a walk you got to i
1: don't know just order myself some Chinese food, put a movie on, go to bed at 1030.
0: It'll be great. You should have said ordering Chinese food in about 20 minutes so we can parlay that into a DoorDash ad.
1: Oh, I'll save it. I'll bring it back up later.
0: Let's just do it now. DoorDash. Check it out. <laughs> promo code DoorDash.com. Yeah, check it out. DoorDash is great. Use our promo codes, GlovesDDUS, if you're in the USA or North Carolina. I think that's in the USA. Gloves DD. If you're in Canada, you get a bunch of money off and free delivery. So check it out. Use our promo code helps us out. So DoorDash like they need the help. They're a juggernaut. The reason they're a juggernaut is the best delivery food delivery company in the world. DoorDash nailed it. Got that out of the way early, Tim. All right. Some news in hockey. Max Pacioretty we talk about him everybody talks about him he kind of gets forgotten in Vegas a little bit for whatever reason I don't know why they have a lot of good players in Vegas they got the Jack Eichel trade done a couple months ago so everybody was talking about that this team has been held afloat by Max Pacioretty he has been having a very 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 strong season his five on five play has been incredible he's one of the top Producers five on five in the whole league. When you look at his production, when you look at his war, when you look at his scoring rates, they're all through the roof, elite level scores. He just had wrist surgery. He's done for the season, potentially. It's hard to come back from a wrist surgery if you're just a a fourth line plug, let alone a sniper, and it's your job to score. We saw Austin Matthews struggle when he came back from his wrist injury, and it wasn't even a surgery. So I can't imagine how long this layoff is going to be, but it's not good for the Vegas Golden Knights. Everyone's talking about the conspiracy theorists. They're linking it to Tampa Bay. Now, anytime someone gets hurt, they're like, are they trying to subvert the the, the salary cap? They're putting them on LTIR. There's no way to look at this other than say this is a bad thing for the Vegas Golden Knights. In my opinion, I know people are saying, well, now this kind of eases their, their salary cap when Jack Eichel comes back, when he does in, you know, end of February, early March. And yes, this does help. This takes care of that situation for the short term, but I don't know any coach or any team that would look at this situation and say, Oh yeah, this is really good for us. We're going to lose our our best player for the next two, three, four months. We don't know how long he's going to be out. This is good. Just because we're going to get Jack Eichel back, Jack, no one knows how he's going to respond to his rehab and how he's going to respond to contact, let alone NHL style of play. So I don't know for all those conspiracy theorists, this, I think we just pumped the brakes on that. This is not like the Kucherov situation. Tampa Bay was set even before Kucherov went out. Vegas is in trouble now, I think. Not, not in the type of trouble that they're going to, mix to miss the playoffs, but I don't want to lose my best player for one week, let alone three or four months and lose that chemistry going into the playoffs. And all of a sudden, yeah, we got our elite linebacker with Stone, Pacioretty, and Eichel, the one everybody's been dreaming about and salivating about. And they haven't seen any ice time together. Two of those guys have been on the shelf for months now. That that worries me a little bit. Have you? What do you think of this situation, Tim? Do you think it's a good thing? That Pacioretty is out to kind of ease the burden on the GM to try to make some moves. What, What are you hearing? What do you think about this whole Vegas predicament?
1: Well, I can see how people might think that, how their brains would go there just based on the Kucherov thing from last year. But there's really no situation like where you're losing your best player is a good thing. This division is, even the conference is far from locked up. They're top of the conference right now. They've been really hot eight and two over the last 10. But like we talked about, especially that Pacific division, like this is going to be a hot and cold division. They can easily go three and seven over the next 10. If Anaheim continues to get hot, say the Sharks or the Kings get hot, like the the Flames, like these teams could easily just jump ahead of them. So it's not like they're a lock And they're probably, I mean, we could say they're a lock for the playoffs, but you you never know. So losing your best player is not a great thing, especially when he's not only been the the top point scorer, but the top goal scorer. He's got 12 and 16 games. And now, like you said, even when he does come back, we don't know what that'll look like. You saw Matthews, you know, he struggled for for half a year so. Um yeah, I don't think it's a great thing. I don't think they're doing any any fancy cap stuff, but it does alleviate a little bit just because they had to figure out the Eichel thing. And there's some rumors floating around how they might make that work if both of those guys are healthy, but at least this sort of solves that, that problem in the short term.
0: Yeah, when you look at who's out for the Vegas Golden Knights, it's pretty remarkable. Eichel's obviously gone. He he wasn't supposed to be in, but then you have Nolan Patrick who's been out. They got Patri, like we talked about, is out Robin Lanner's day-to-day. Brett Howden's been out. Alex Martinez has been out. So they've been dealing with this injury bug for a long, long time. I and mean, that that guy who manages their salary cap must just he must just be having headaches day in and day out because I don't know how it works with covid if you go on the covid IR if you're off the salary cap and you're calling guys up and you're putting guys down and you have the taxi squad and it's just a headache. It honestly must be a headache for these guys because there is somebody and their sole job is to make sure everything's, you know, legit because teams nowadays with the flat salary cap, they're only carrying a portion of the guys they can on the roster. You're allowed 23, teams are carrying 20. So if you all of a sudden get one, two, three guys out, you you're struggling you're icing a team with 17 16 18 players and it affects the guys so it's a, it's a tough task we will see how all this shakes out but in the meantime i disagree with the whole pacific division i think vegas is the only team that has this one locked up in that division uh, I, I don't know any other team that is strong enough that has shown me that they're strong enough consistently throughout this season vegas started off slow for whatever reason no one knows why but over the last month and a half they've been a really strong team they they've asserted their dominance robin lanner has been good the defense have been playing good chandler stevenson right now in my opinion is their MVP. he's the one who's been carrying the luggage he's he's a solid centerman. he gets good pp good pk and uh i i like vegas so i'm not that worried that they're going to struggle and all of a sudden fall out of a playoff position but it is something to watch for this is the 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 benefit of being in the pacific is you don't have to panic too much if they're in the metropolitan division or if they're in the atlantic division they're falling out of a playoff position really really quickly but when you get to play seattle when you get to play la when you get to play san jose when you get to play even vancouver even though they've been hot they're still going to be overmatched by the vegas golden knights they have a deep roster they can easily slot riley smith into that top line you can slot someone else in they will be just, just fine. Marsha Stowe is playing very well. They, they got a good team, Vegas Golden Knights. So I, I, I'm i not worried. It will be fun come playoff time. I'm going to be completely honest. If they can just throw out Stone, Eichel, and Patcheretti, three guys who have been in and out of the lineup. Eichel gone the whole season. Patcheretti being to be gone the whole season. Stone's been out of the lineup. That's a dangerous line. In my opinion, that's the most dangerous line in the NHL if they can get those three guys together. And they are playing at peak peak 100% players that they can be. You don't think they're their best line in the NHL if those three guys are going?
1: No, and you're going to say I'm a homer pick, but the perfection line is the best line in hockey.
0: Yeah, they, they, it's, it's either one or two, one of those two lines. The perfection line has, they've just been together forever, and they're three really good hockey players. They complement each other to no end. I, I agree. It's one of those two lines because, like, Eichel is an epic playmaker. He can get up and down the ice. Pacioretty is just a sniper, and Stone kind of does it all. They're very good line. I agree, but then you have the defensive responsibility of of Stone and Patcharade. They're good both both side of the ice. So Bergeron
1: and Marchand are, are probably better than those two defensively, or at least two ways. I, so
0: I agree. I agree. It goes but both I, ways. Yeah, it does go both ways. Uh, it'll be fun. I hope it happens. I hope Eichel can get back on the ice. But it, this is a blow to Vegas Golden Knights. It's interesting. I don't think there's any conspiracy theorists you you think someone else might be rumored to be a trade uh, deadline casualty for the vegas golden knights because they they are definitely not one team to sit on their hands at the deadline they go out and they make moves every single year they've gone out and they've made a splash
1: yeah there's some chatter going around this morning about riley smith reportedly on the trade market i don't know how strong that is um that's sort of the talk on twitter so he'd be an interesting one he's having a pretty good season he's got 26 points so far um, he can play either wing, although he's better on the right side, even though he's a left-hand shot. And he's he's a player that a lot of teams would make would make a run for. Uh, so I don't know that, that tr- trading him is the right way to go. He's such an important part of that offense. But if that's the only way they can get Michael and already healthy and under the salary cap at the same time, then that's what you got to do. So I can see a lot of teams taking an interest in him.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. He's a good secondary scoring type of winger. Throw him on the second line. You know, he's... A, He's a good player. I, I like I like Riley Smith. I don't think he's really produced the way the Vegas Golden Knights hoped he would produce when they when they grabbed him, but he's a good scorer. Maybe the Bruins would like to have him back. He was there for a cup of coffee. Maybe that that would be a good fit in Boston, but all in all Vegas are going to be set whether they dra- trade him or not. I think they'll be a contender for the Stanley Cup when we come down to the end of the season. Scary story. Patrick Marlowe back in the news. He was on vacation. Did you see this? Did you hear anything about this, Tim? Oh my god, yes. Yeah,
1: so scary. It's awful. <laughs>
0: Very unnerving. He was on vacation with his family, staying at a hotel. His, his son Brody gets approached by some weird lady and some weird dude, and they try to, like, grab him, and some other lady says no, and Marlowe's come down. It's a weird story. I don't I don't want to dig too into it, but it's just I – I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's just a hockey hockey story. Patrick Marlowe back uh, – he wants to be in the NHL, I guess, still. But this is a, – it's a, it's a very weird situation. People are creeps. They're really, really creepy. You think it would never happen to a guy like Patty Marlowe? was just you would think would just have security guards falling him around, but apparently, you know anybody it can happen. To anybody, watch your kids because people are trying to grab them. It's just I don't know, people are just unbelievable. What are you, like, ugh, weirdos. But anyways, moving on to an also just a bad topic: the World Juniors, the the peak for kids these days i know when i was growing up in canada we were talking to tyler ennis about it a couple weeks ago you gear up for the world championships when i was a kid that was the day i circled on my calendar from ages 8 to 15 i'm watching the first game on christmas day it's canada versus somebody it's a big deal canada would score i'd go ripping out the front door running around my yard in my socks it was just fun to watch it well It was too good to be true this year. Last year, they got the tournament in. They were really strict in Red Deer. Everything worked out perfectly. This year, the tournament's in Edmonton. They canceled the whole tournament. Everybody must leave. Nobody can pass go. The tournament's done. People aren't happy. People are, you know, making some comments. The Finnish coach came out and he said, the IIHF ran this thing completely brutal They should be embarrassed by how they ran this tournament. There was nothing in place. We basically got here and we were thrown at a hotel and there was no bubble. There was nothing. There was random people coming in and out. We were getting tested daily, but it didn't matter. There's They're having weddings at the hotel. All the restaurants are wide open to the public. So the players had nowhere to go but be exposed to all these people. So what's the point of testing every day when you're going to leave the rink and then go to the restaurant to eat dinner and there's – a wedding party, two tables over who are whooping it up, getting getting rowdy. And everyone knows how strong this Omicron, Omicron, who cares what it's called? It's very transmissible. So people are speaking out. And I agree with these players. A Slovakian goalie by the name of Simon Latkotsky, he came out and absolutely just tore a strip off the IIHF in in, in turn, Hockey Canada, because Hockey Canada was the one who was responsible for the whole hotel situation, the protocols, the testing, this and that, the quarantines, whatever. He basically said it's a huge joke and they should be ashamed of themselves. These players prepare for their whole life, basically, to get to this moment. This is the pinnacle for some teams. If you're a Czech Republican player, a Slovak player, you really don't have any ambition to play in the NHL, most of these players. So this is the pinnacle of your hockey career. And it gets thrown out the window because these IHF people couldn't cobble together some type of situation. And what it comes down to, the reason they canceled the whole tournament was because a couple players on a couple teams tested positive and they were nervous about it spreading. And it's like, no, it didn't spread. It's not like a whole team got wiped out. It was a few guys. And instead of just taking those guys out and letting them quarantine for a few days and come back, they just decided to cancel the whole tournament. So this goaltender from Slovakia just absolutely ripped them. He said, What's the point of even coming over? What's the point of getting vaccinated? What's the point of being here? if we're going to come over and you're just going to cancel it at the first drop of any, any sign of positive tests. So it's, it's a bad look. Nobody knows how to handle this COVID situation. We can see it in the NHL. They're still scratching their heads. It seems like the NBA has a handle on this situation and the NFL seems to have a handle on this situation. Why can't the, the Olympic hockey federation, the international hockey federation and the NHL figure out what to do with this team. But Tim, I, I don't know. Why there can't just be some concerted, like, this is what we're doing, and we're sticking to it. If you have no no symptoms, we're not even going to test you. Who cares? Everybody's vaccinated. You're safe. I don't understand, because even the goalie from Slovakia is like, we're all vaxxed. We're all boosted up. Why are we getting punished? Because you guys don't know how the heck to do your job.
1: What I keep coming back to is like, why even have a tournament? If, if two players testing positive was enough to shut it all down, what was the point? Like all the money that was spent, the time, the logistics, bringing everyone to that place from all over the world, and then two players test positive and maybe a couple more, but all of a sudden – you're like, yeah, we can't risk this spread. Like, you knew that was going to happen. It was inevitable that someone was going to test positive. Like, there was there was no situation in which that didn't happen. So what was the point of doing all that if the, if the barrier for shutting it all down was so low? Unless something else happened, unless there's information that we don't have and they changed their mind. But if, if they said, like, as soon as a couple guys test positive we're shutting it down, there's absolutely no point in even attempting it because there was no chance that this didn't happen. So that's the frustrating thing. And I feel for those guys, just like with the Olympic thing, that it was their first time or last time, only time to, to represent our country on the state. So um pretty f- disappointing for, for us and for the fans and players. And I, I I totally understand their frustrations.
0: It's just it doesn't make sense. And I'm not gonna I I hate getting into it, but just from a common sense perspective. And and this is where I feel for the NHL players too, because you beat your head against the wall. And I watched the Robin Leonard interview we gave a month ago again. He's like, we're doing everything they want us to do, we're jumping through every hoop. And there's no ease in the restrictions. There's no there's, – nothing is getting better. Nothing, life is not getting easier. They've been living in this bubble for over a year now, going on two years, and it wears on you. So I, I feel bad for these players. Talking to everybody in the interviews, it's like, man, we can't go to dinner. We can't go hang out in each other's rooms. It's just brutal. It's sucking the life of, of the NHL away. And I, I don't know why – And I listen, I'm not a decision maker, but it just seems to me like they're – they don't know what the heck's going on and it and it stems from i I know I'm painting with a broad stroke here to me it stems from canada what they're doing up there justin trudeau needs to figure it out and there's a reason why now tim i don't know if you've noticed this they're canceling all the games in canada all the games so far that I, that could have been played in canada have been canceled and they're moving them south the montreal boston game has shifted to boston every game that could have been happening in vancouver you know all the, all the canadian provinces they've been canceled and the reason for that is they have just axed all attendance at all these arenas. They're not letting the fans go in, and the NHL desperately, desperately needs that money. They are so far in the what's it when you're in, in the bad is it in the red or in the black? In the red, yeah. They're so far in the red where they're hemorrhaging money left and right that they need the gate revenue from Canada. They can't just all of a sudden say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play to no to no fans. That is not an option at this point in the season for the NHL. If, if they want any semblance of some kind of profit at all, I know the NHL wants to, they're going to break you. Because as Brad Marchand said in his infamous text, the players due to escrow always make the NHL whole. And I'm still working on this expose. I don't know if it's ever going to come to light, but the players are in so much debt and they're going to be in more debt after this season because they're losing money now because of the Omicron variant and they can't risk not having games in Canada. That's where they make so much money. The tickets in Canada are so expensive compared to tickets in Florida, tickets in Tampa Bay, tickets in Dallas. They're double, triple, quadruple the price. You go to Arizona, you buy a ticket for $5, and they give you a beer and a hot dog. You go to Toronto, you show up, you buy a ticket for $150, you pay parking that's another $45, a beer is going to cost you $15, they're making so much more money in Toronto. They can't risk not having those games played. So, the Canadian government, those idiots, have said we're going to wait till January fifteenth because apparently that's a magic number. January fifteenth. This is what drives me nuts too. Why can they just pick an arbitrary date in the future and say we're going to we're going to make a decision then? Why? Why? I don't understand why. So, anyways, they're going to reevaluate on January fifteenth, two weeks from now. All these games are being thrown into flux. They're going to have to move all the games south, and there's going to just be a rush of games in Canada where they're just going to play 55 games in a row, whatever the number is, just to make all games they miss. It's just because of the stupid... Government in Canada doesn't know what they're doing. They're just making things up as they go. At least the U.S. government is somewhat sane. I can't believe I'm saying this, that they've eased the restrictions. They've gone from 10-day quarantine to five-day quarantine. They're allowing fans. They're not getting worked up about this Omicron variant, which is a glorified flu. It It gets me worked up because the players have done everything you wanted them to do, and then some. They quarantined for a year in the bubble. They played hockey. They went and separated from their families. They've done everything they possibly can to make this season work. And they're not getting anything back in return. They're not getting any pushback. They're not getting any love from the Canadian government, from the NHL, from anything. And it's just frustrating. It's like you're ruining an NHL season. You're ruining hockey. They can't go to the Olympics. It's just frustrating. And I get it's because of the money. I I don't blame the NHL for pulling the games out of Canada because they need those games there. So I I would hate to be an NHL player coming into the league, knowing that I am going to have my salary chopped in half. For the next five to ten years, and that's not even being—that's—I'm not exaggerating it. If you make a million dollars, if you're a young guy coming into the league, I'm making a million dollars next year. First, I pay taxes on that. Taxes on in a million dollar in in a in an average state in the United States is around thirty to thirty-five percent, maybe forty percent in some states. If you're in California, New York, it might be fifty percent. We'll, we'll we'll cut it down the middle. We'll say it's forty percent. I'm losing $400,000 right there. Then I have to pay escrow. Wow, the escrow comes off my million-dollar salary, not off my $600,000 salary after taxes. So if my escrow at this point is 20%, and that's a conservative number, I know they won't let it go higher, they set it at 20%. That's an extra $200,000. That is $600,000 off of my million-dollar salary right there. I'm making $400,000 my first season. Oh, then I have to pay for an apartment. Then I have to pay for a car. Then I have to pay for this. I have to pay my agent fees. My agent fees are coming off my million dollar salary. They're not coming off my $400,000 take home. That's an extra three to 5%. That's an extra 30 grand out the door. There's a lot of costs coming out. Next thing I know, the season's over. I look at my bank account. Here comes the summer time to let it rip, Tater Chip. I only got a hundred grand in the in the bank, potentially not even that much. I know that's a lot of money, but if you're making a million dollars and at the end of the day you're only taking home a million or a hundred grand at the on the on the positive side, that's not that much money for an NHL player. You're making one hundred thousand dollars off a one million dollars salary. I know I'm sounding like a spoiled brat, but that's that's crazy, and you do that for ten years. You turn around, you're 35 years old, you got another 50 year runway ahead of you. You're like, well, what have I saved up? Oh, I got a million dollars in the bank and I got 50 years to figure out what to do with my life. Good luck, bud. And that's for a good player who has a 10 year career. It's 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 not good. It's not good. So whew! I don't know, Tim. Are you but, there? Wow, well, i getting worked <laughs> up over here. What
1: what does the solution look like in your mind? Is this inevitable? Is nothing anyone can do or what?
0: it's our, it's, it's permanent marker. The pay, players have to pay this money back. That was the, that was the cost of playing through the pandemic and doing the bubble. The owners hold all the cards. They, they have got the players over a barrel like in the CBA. It says the owners get made whole. They have no skin in the game. The players have to pay every cent back of money that they lose. So it is what it is. No other sports um, league is like this. You know, it's just how the NHL deal worked. And it it was really a travesty when they signed that deal back in 2004. I think it was because the owners have no incentive. They have no incentive to grow the game. They have no incentive to really put a competitive team on the ice because they expect just to be made whole. And then they hide money left and right. The Arizona Coyotes say they lose money every single year. That owner makes money. Because he has separate companies who own the parking, separate companies who own the concession, separate companies who own this and this and that. And they park that somewhere else, and they say it's not HRR, hockey-related revenue. And that's why the NHLPA has to sue teams to get their records. And then they go back, and then they, oh, oh, you totally didn't know. That was HRR. It's like, you're so full of it. It's slimy, it's disgusting, and it drives me crazy. I was on, I was a player rep. I was in the negotiations. I see how owners work, and they're absolutely the scum of the earth. Most of them, not all of them, most of them are, and they're in it to make a buck, and they don't care about anything else. And it's 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 really slimy when you really look into things and see how they operate. There's a reason they're hundred millionaires, billionaires, is because they know how to work the books and cook the books, and it's they hide money left and right. Tim, you have no idea. It just. I I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust them with anything. Those do you think we're going to see? this is the worst of them.
1: <laughs> I believe that. Do you think we'll see more and more players place an even higher emphasis on those low tax states like Florida and Texas? Or do you think that's it just won't really affect? It wouldn't change that much anyway.
0: I don't think the lower ranked players have the luxury to do that. I think the higher yeah. tier players have the luxury to be able to pick and choose where they go. But uh, I. I couldn't have done that in the option. I maybe had one year where I could have been like, you know what, let's, let's try to focus on this, this area. Other than that, I, would, like, I don't think there's a, a large group of players that can just pick and choose where they go. It's, it's a very small list of players who have that luxury. But, yeah, if you did have the option between going to the New York Rangers or the Dallas Stars – and you're trying to maximize your, you know, your income. You go to Dallas. There's no state tax. You, you gain that four hundred thousand dollars. New York, their state tax, if you're living in the city, is fifty five percent. Fifty five percent.
1: That is insane. That's, insane. That's crazy.
0: And, it, and it's probably going up because they're taxing the rich now. Because apparently the rich don't pay their fair share. All that baloney. AOC. That's psycho. But anyways, okay. We're getting pretty. Poor here. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit of hockey. If you don't mind your, do you mind, or do you want to go tear it up for New Year's Eve? You're getting the itch. I can see you're getting, you're getting, you want to go, you want to get going, get the fireball flowing.
1: It's, it's one in the afternoon, not, I don't have the itch. I'm ready. We can talk. Let's talk for a long time.
0: A long time. I don't want to go for a long time because I'm getting the itch too. I want to go. Me and me and the wife are having a nice date night tonight. Early dinner. Kids are going to the grandma's for the night. So we. I, I want to get out of here at a certain hour. Are you I, going to the? the uh, are
1: you going to the Riverside?
0: I am in Traverse City. For those of you who know, there's a nice restaurant out in Leland, the Riverside Inn. It's beautiful. One of my favorite spots. I go there when we're feeling fancy, feeling frisky. So we're going They got a nice um, uh, New Year's Eve dinner plan where they it's it's a fixed menu it's a little pricey 125 a plate but I, you know what i got it i
1: didn't I know, know that you were know. you had a fish allergy
0: yeah crustaceans shrimp crab lobster can't do it i die good to know good to know so if you ever if you ever want to take me out just uh give me a lobster shake and i will be dead <laughs> i will be dead and i don't bring my epipen because that's how i roll All right, so there was a couple statement wins last night that I actually wanted to touch on. The Florida Panthers have not so quietly set themselves up to be the best team in the NHL, and they were going head-to-head with their interstate rivals, two-time Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they absolutely worked the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, like, I'm not talking, you know, a 5-2 game, a 4-1 game. It was a 9-3 dominating effort. Jonathan Huberto cemented himself as, I think, a hard trophy candidate. The guy was unbelievable. One goal, four assists. Anthony Duclair, a couple Genos. It, it, was, it was, from start to finish, an absolute beatdown. Did you see this game? You, obviously not. You were driving. Did, why are you swaying back and forth doing body movements? You're making me distracted. <laughs> I'm
1: standing up because I don't have a chair yet. So it's like my computer's on a shelf, so I'm just standing and I'm, I'm antsy. I'm not sitting. You're like a
0: little. You're like a little kid in line, and you're just like moving your arms around. Like there's no rhyme or reason. It's just like stand still. Stand I still. Did,
1: I did watch the highlights of this game. Huber does spin past the backhand. Did you see that one?
0: It's unbelievable. He he that. is. It, here's my question: Are we missing out on players in the NHL just because we spend so much time focusing on the two guys in Edmonton? Where there are so many other MVP candidates who don't get the love that they're deserved because the Edmonton Oilers let those two juggernauts just go all offense all the time and not focus on any defense.
1: I mean, what do you mean by missing out? I mean, because like, yeah, we're probably overlooking. There's a lot of guys. good players
0: in this league right now who are having really, really good seasons, and I think they get overshadowed by McDavid and Seidel because. They put up massive amounts of points because the Edmonton Oilers, that's what they do. They go out and they want to win a game 7-5 because they don't know how to play defense. They go out there and they just let these guys run. And they're world-class players. Don't get me wrong. McDavid is head and shoulders above the next player in the league. But do we miss a Jonathan Huberto? Do we miss a Nazim Condry who's having a, a career year? Do we miss a JT Miller who is playing on a Vancouver Can- Canucks team that is slowly you know, rounding out into form. JT Miller, in my opinion, could be an MVP candidate. He has, he has been a very, very good player on this Vancouver Canucks team. He's got, what, 35 points in 33 games. He's, he's plus three on a Vancouver Canucks team that was hemorrhaging goals at the beginning of the season. He does everything. We, we, we lose track of other good players because everybody just got the, the blinders on with those two studs in Edmonton. That's what I mean. It, would there ever be a day where, you're like, well, Connor McDavid got 180 points, but he doesn't really play defense? And Jonathan Huberto got 110 points. Would he ever be the MVP conversation? He's making his team a lot better, potentially, than a Conor McDavid who's just solely focused on offense. We saw it in the playoffs last year. McDavid was turning the puck over less than left and right, costing these guys games. So, at what I point mean, where do you look at an MVP play? I don't, and maybe I'm just talking at a turn. I know McDavid is the best player in the NHL. But I'm trying to make a case for a guy like Jonathan Huberdeau, who is probably just as valuable on uh, if there was a Canadian Olympic team than a Conor McDavid is because he does everything. He's so incredibly good. He doesn't get any recognition because he's tucked down in Florida. And everybody loves Edmonton and they love to talk about Edmonton. That includes us. Are we doing disservice? Is there other MVPs out there, Tim, that we don't know about? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm wondering, like, now, was there ever a time, like, 20 years ago when Yager was putting up 160 points and he lost – MVP voting someone who put up, like, 100, but also with winning Selkie votes or something, you know? I don't know. Probably
0: but, not. I think the points are sexy. Points are sexy. Everybody loves a goal scorer. That's why usually the MVP is the guy who gets the highest goal amount. It's just, you know, chicks dig the long ball. They dig the goals. They don't dig the guy who's going to be, you know, an all-around player who plays the PK, plays the PP. I don't think there will ever be a day where the most well-rounded player wins the MVP award. It's going to be the guy who gets the most points. But if you ask me, if I'm starting a team, would I rather have Jonathan Huberto or Conorick David? You got to pick Conor David. But maybe it's <laughs> <player.
1: laughs> I know. I was like, careful, John. Be careful.
0: But there are – it just got me thinking. Are there players that are not getting recognition this year who are having really, really good season? And I did a little digging. And there are players who are really having – substantially good seasons that no one's talking about. The first one that came to mind to me was Mikael Granlund for Nashville. And I, I think people forget about him because he, he has had a couple down years and maybe people forgot how good of a player he was. But when you look at the points he's getting, he's got a point per game guy. And I, I just think there are lots of players like him that aren't getting the recognition they're having bounce back years. of Timo Meyer in San Jose. You know San Jose gets forgotten. When you think of San Jose, you think of Burns Carlson. You think of up front Thomas Hurdle and Logan Couture. Timo Meyer, he's got 31 points in 26 games. Like he's having a really strong season. So I I don't know. I just think people just get focused on the top few guys, and there's a lot of players around the lead who are either resurrecting their career. You know, a, a Mikael or they're making a, f- a good case to be thought of in, a, in an elite player level like an Anthony Duclair. Who's all of a sudden he went from that one season in Ottawa where I, I said it was a flash in the pan. Next thing you know, he's got 12 goals this season. He, he's playing really well. He's playing on the team's top line. He He's really kind of starting to grow into that elite score player that I thought that was just a joke in Ottawa where he scored like 25 goals in 29 games, and I was just like, yeah, it's not going to work like that i know do you have i know i'm just dropping this on you you had a long drive are there any players you can think of that are just having a great season that maybe aren't getting the recognition we talked about tristan yari a few weeks back even a guy i don't know is there anybody at the top of your head because i got a couple more guys i could list off that i think are not getting the recognition that they should get
1: Uh, Well, you already mentioned the cadre comes to mind. He's fourth in points right now, but he's so important because of situationally what he did because he stepped up and Nathan McKinney went down. Not that that team is any shortage of offensive firepower, but he slipped right up to that top line and produced like crazy. And there's one stretch where he had like, 12 points in five games or something. And so he's the name that comes to mind, but I, I don't know the guys at the top of the list are who pretty much who you'd expect to be Chandler Stevenson. I got a good player that no one's talking about. I don't even really know anything about him, but he's got 33 points in 32 games and he's centering Vegas top line right now. So, I mean, yeah, a little bit, but it's, it's, it's pretty much the, the same old faces at the top of this list though.
0: Yeah. I, I just jotted down a few Granlund, Meyer, declare a goalie, Jonathan quick. You know, a guy who we thought was past his prime, they had Cal Peterson. He was going to be the next second coming. He has single, and I don't want to say single handedly, but Jonathan Quick has dragged the Los Angeles Kings into a lot of games that they had no business being in. His numbers aren't that spectacular. His goals against his two three three. His save percentage is nine two three. So it's not outer worldly stats. They're above average for him throughout his career. He's only nine and seven, but he's playing really, really, really good hockey. And he, I, I don't think anybody would have ever expected him to been at this level at this age. He's 35 years ago, years old as a goaltender. You might as well be 50 years old. if you're 35, because it, it's, it's unheard of for a player playing that position to play into your late thirties. It just doesn't happen. Unless you're Marty Bordeaux or somebody freak of nature. So I think he's a guy. when you look at the end of the day, it's like, man, would he be in the business? I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking in a term, but I, I, I just think there's a lot of players and we get caught up in the big names, the Panarin's, the Matthews, the McDavid's, this and that. There's a lot of guys who are having really good seasons that we should talk about. And maybe we should do a show where we highlight some of the unsung heroes on every single team where it's like these guys are actually carrying the love team and they don't get, it's, it's fun to talk about the stars but really, they there's a lot of guys like you said. Um, McKinnon went down; he was out for a big stretch. Nazim Kadri is having an MVP type type season. When you look at his points per game, he's only played 24 games. He's third highest in the NHL. He's ahead of Ovechkin. He's ahead of all these other superstars. He's got 38 points in 24 games. That's a that's a heck of a good season for Nazim Kadri. Like this guy is known as a in-your-face, gritty type player, willing to do anything for his team. He's not known for his offensive upside. He's can maybe a point every other game. The guy's got 38 points in 24 games. That's a heck of a start for him. And no one talks about him. Then whenever you think of Nazi Kadri, you think of all, oh, he's going to get a suspension. What did he do dirty? What, what what was he doing with his stick? He's putting up an epic amount of points right now. And I think he, we should talk about it as much as I, I you know, don't like Kadri, we got to talk about him. So maybe, maybe we'll line that up for another episode. What else you got to talk about, Sam? Anything on the docket?
1: Uh, no, just a quick line. The Vancouver finally lost. They had their seven-game win streak to start with. boost for Joe. They lost in overtime last night. Still picked up a point. So I think they're like 6-2-2 two and two or something. No, maybe 8-1-1 one and one in their last ten games. And now they're only three points behind Edmonton, which is absolutely crazy. If you said that a month ago, we would have called that crazy. So that's a really interesting thing to watch down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, my prediction of Edmonton coming out of the gates flying was absolutely squashed. They came out, lost the first game. The same old Edmonton Oilers. I am very worried about Edmonton. Very, very worried. I want them to be a good hockey team. I want Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl to be in the playoffs. They're very, very exciting players, but they need to make a move. Something has to change in Edmonton. Whatever is going on there is not working. It isn't working. The goaltenders aren't good. The defense is show- They're showing themselves to be a bad defensive hockey team. Shocker, is there an echo in the room? We've been saying that for the last five, six years. Last year, they made a step forward. They assembled together some kind of really strong defense. Oh, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to get rid of Ethan Bear. We're going to lose Adam Larson. We're going to bring in a 38-year-old defenseman whose best hockey is 10 years behind him. That's smart. That's a really smart move. Real, real, real good GM working there, Edmonton. And look how it's paying off for him. We're going to bring back our 40-year-old goalie to be our number one. Real, oh, shocker, he's heard. Real smart GMing. GM at Edmonton. You jerk. Who is it? It's called Holland. Go back to Holland, Michigan. Now, Holland, Michigan is a beautiful, beautiful city. If you've never been there, it's a beautiful. City. Oh, very good things. Ken very Holland, good things. Not, not the same. Ken Holland is not doing a good job in Edmonton. Not at all. All right. Uh points bet. Like I said, I split it 50-50 right down the rip last time. I'm I'm not one to gamble that often, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. I want everybody to go empty their piggy bank. Every single penny you own. And I want you to take it to points bet, get yourself an account, and I want you to bet the house on, Tim, where are you going? Stay with me. Stay with me, Tim. I'm here. I want you to bet the house on the Boston Bruins. Who are they playing? Tim, does that make you happy? It makes me happy. The Boston's are playing the lowly Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres are struggling. No signs of improvement. It's a very close line. The Bruins are only favored by a little bit. So I want you to bet the house on the Boston Bruins versus the Buffalo Sabres. We're going to straight up win. you're not going to win much, but you're going to at least win, take the Bruins, take them heavy, punch the Bruins number when you go there. And if you want to kind of have a parlay from the Bruins to another game, take the Toronto Maple Leafs over the Ottawa Senators. I like that. And if you want to do a triple parlay, take the Canucks over the Seattle crack. And I think that's a no brainer winner. Those are three games that are going to be just easy peasy lemon squeezy. You know, send me my ten percent. That's fine. I'll take it. Other than that, everybody, I hope you have a good new. What's your New Year's Eve resolution, Tim?
1: Uh, dude, I don't. I, I've been so busy, I haven't even thought of it. I'll think of something today, but I, I don't know. Do you have
0: one? Are you thinking? Tim's New Year's Eve resolution should be to get some Wi-Fi as soon as he can because we didn't hear a word you just said, Tim. It sounded like you were playing the bass drum and you were strumming it heavy, so we don't even know what he said. My New Year's re- resolution is uh, – I don't have one. I think it's a waste of time because no one even – I want to lose some LBs. I'm getting a little fat, so this year I'd like to maybe start exercising somewhat. That's that's maybe in the, in the books for 2022. Maybe use my rowing machine that I bought five years ago I didn't use yet. <laughs> Anyways, I hope everybody's having a good day. I hope you have a good night. Stay safe out there. Go and have a cocktail at midnight. I will be sleeping at midnight. Tim will be out partying up in North Carolina. Look for him if you're there. If you're a listener in North Carolina, buy him a drink. He deserves it. He's been driving all day. All right, everybody. We will talk to you guys next week. We'll see you you next year as my dad joke is going to be in full effect this year. You better believe I'm going to make people sick with that joke. It's what I do. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the support. Cheers, everybody.